Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining us again. We appreciate your support and your encouragement. What we're going to be talking about this week is the coming economic collapse. Experts in every field are saying we're long overdue. There's a huge bubble, and it's got to pop at some point. So we're going to talk about that today, three areas of it. What are the indicators? and what's leading us to believe that is true. Secondly, then we'll talk about the agenda behind having an economic collapse. What would they try to accomplish with that and how will it be beneficial to them and their great reset scenario? And then finally getting into what is real wealth and real poverty? What It's not exactly what we've been told and talk about some of those things so you understand how you can evaluate yourself and see, am I really wealthy or am I poorer than I think I am? And so we'll be talking about that as well. But we appreciate you subscribing. We've had a lot of new subscribers recently. I encourage those of you that are new to go back and watch many of the other episodes that we did over the last few months. There's a lot of key information in those that will help you better understand the times and what we're going through right now. Those of you on YouTube, please consider joining and subscribing at agendaweekly.com. Thank you so much, and I think you're going to enjoy this show. Well, Curtis, there are a lot of messages that we receive these days. Of course, there's the message that the COVID vaccine is going to fix everything. It's going to fix our economic problems. The Federal Reserve is going to fix it. These massive multi-trillion dollar stimulus packages going to fix it. They're going to bring uh, unrivaled prosperity to America. Things have never been better. But as we look at the facts, I think you would agree that the facts may paint a different story. So what's actually going on? Uh, what indicators might lead you to believe that things are not as they appear? Almost all the indicators as you listen to the experts, and we're not financial advisors or experts, we're just giving you our opinion on what we're seeing as we read a lot of those that have been studying these issues for decades. And But we're just seeing all the indicators saying there's a problem here. One of the most obvious ones that draws a red flag to anyone's mind is, why is the stock market at its highest point it's ever been when we just had a year where our economy was completely shut down, we, we see that just in December, a couple months ago, there were 19 million Americans that were getting unemployment checks from the government. Uh, real world unemployment, if you really look at all the numbers, they say it's you know 6.7%. It's not, it's about 25% because they don't count into those numbers many things that are inconvenient to them painting a picture that everything is rosy. They don't count the people that have been looking so long, they've stopped looking for a job. They don't count the people that just have a little part-time job that's not paying their bills, but it's something to just bring something in. They count those as, oh, they're employed. So the underemployment or the employment of those just part-time don't count into those numbers. But we have about a 25% unemployment rate. And yet they say, no, happy days are here again. We've got bankruptcies. 
I mean, of major companies, JCPenney's, Steinmart, Brooks Brothers, Neiman Marcus, 24-Hour Fitness, a lot of the theater chains, and, and 27 other major retailers and things. And our stock market is still at the highest it's ever been. Well, something is artificially pumping that up, and we're going to talk about that in what it is. But other economic indicators, just over the last 10 months, 110,000 restaurants have permanently closed. And the Restaurant Association says it looks like ultimately it might be as many as 500,000 restaurants closed never to reopen. That's 500,000 small businesses. Most of them are small businesses. We just see commercial real estate because people not being able to pay rents because of lockdowns and people having to close their businesses in the commercial real estate market. There's just hundreds of thousands of units all over the country that are empty or the people in them are not paying rent because they haven't been able to. We've got tourism, of course, <laughs> you know, International travel is down 75%. So all the hotels, the travel agencies, the car rental companies. Why are their stocks all up like it's going to be fine when it's not? I mean, air travel in America is down over half. And now, as of last year, half, it's really actually over half of government spending has to be borrowed. Just of our annual budgets, half of it has to be borrowed. And the stock market's at an all-time high. Well, it doesn't make sense. In 2020, the Fed created 4.7 trillion in new debt. Just in 2020, 4.7 trillion. It took us well over 225 years to get to 5 trillion. And now we're doing each year we're adding that same amount and then of course they also expanded the money supply by 25 percent so there were more dollars out there that's what's happening they just keep pumping money into the economy to artificially make it stay up there to make stocks and things stay up there because you're just giving out money to everybody but you can't do that without there being a cost to doing that and history has always shown there is a great cost to that and there's a day where you do have to pay the piper. Just since 1913, when the Federal Reserve was created, and we've talked about this before, but it's important to, to be reminded of over and over again. They, they were established to help control inflation. Okay, from 1770 to 1913, over that 143 years, guess how much inflation was in America? 143 year period. It was minus 6%. Prices barely had gone down by 6% over 143 years. Okay. So we hadn't had a problem with inflation. But they said, oh, we're going to control inflation. Well, since 1913 to today, everything's gone up. Now it's almost been 120 times. 120 times, not percent, times. So that's that's what they have done. They have robbed us of our wealth through inflation. They love doing that because it erases the middle class. It makes everyone be more in poverty, which makes them easier to control. What's important to understand is that even before COVID, we were on the edge of the cliff. And the reason it didn't collapse during 2020 like it should have 
is because of $5 trillion of extra money to be pumped into the system to artificially make everything look like it's okay because there's so much money floating around. So, but, but over the last 15, 20 years, interest rates have just continued to drop. Well, that's not good because that's not normal. Normally it does cost money to borrow money but it's allowed all the corporations and people to be so buried in debt because you go, well, it's only 2% interest or 3% interest. And so governments, businesses, and individuals have been buried in debt. And now as the Fed is talking about raising the interest rates a little bit and has started to do that, you're gonna have major problems. When you're buried in debt and interest rates go from 3% to 5% or 8% or 10%, you cannot handle the debt load and you go under. Governments, businesses, and people. I remember when I first got married years ago, got a home and it was a 10% interest rate for my first home loan. And that was a good rate. <laughs> Things have changed. It's been dropping ever since. That's what's artificially helped this bubble that should have popped in the 90s and stayed down just keep growing because they kept making it cheaper and cheaper to borrow more money. So instead of businesses being successful by making money and running things efficiently, they were being successful by just borrowing more and more money and just paying the debt service on it, just the interest which was so small and having the illusion everything's fine, but it wasn't because their debt was growing and growing and growing. So that's a key thing to remember. This has been 25, 30 years in the making, and but the chickens are gonna come home to roost, as they say, because of this last year, 2020, where everything was just so exaggerated. You can't keep pumping money into the system and have everything be okay. It would eventually pops the bubble and things collapse and inflation and things happen. But we also, as you look, over the last 30, 40 years in America, the unfunded liabilities, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the different programs that are starting to take a larger percentage of our yearly budget just to stay afloat. Well, we've known for 40 years those things were gonna cause us to be insolvent as a country and still Congress has never done anything about it. They just keep spending more money, raising taxes, and doing what they want to do. Well, there's a point where that doesn't work anymore, and that's what we're approaching. Um, and it's clear that that's where, where we're headed. So that's why this is really important to understand. And then as we get into some of these other areas, it will help it all make more sense in what we should be doing as individuals. Curtis, you mentioned that we're in a bubble. Can you talk more specifically about this stock market bubble? Boy, is it a bubble. $525 trillion uh, financial assets bubble with the stock market and everything. And so because of that, here, here's some different things I'm gonna talk about that are really important. First of all, none of the experts know exactly what's gonna happen and I don't either. Sometimes in these scenarios, when you have a collapse, you have deflation because everyone's in poverty and they're having a hard time paying their bills. So you don't have the inflation immediately. 
you have deflation for a little while while it's collapsing. But then as you come out, things start to just go up more and more and more after the fact. Every now and then you have the hyperinflation with the depression. So but most of the time you don't. Most of the time in history, it's it's deflationary at first as it's collapsing. And then you have the hyperinflation or the extreme inflation a little further down the road. There, there's a collapse coming and it's long overdue. And the reality is it's a good thing. No one wants a collapse, but you have to adjust things back to reality at some point. It's not good to live in a fantasy land that everything always goes up and no matter how you are with your money, it doesn't really have consequences. Well, God has designed the universe where you reap what you sow. So, so no one can defy those principles. If you're not good with your money, it will eventually come back to haunt you. Whether you're a government, a bank, individual, it doesn't matter. So all these different artificial rallies that have made the stock market just keep going higher, they can't keep doing that forever when there's no reason that they're doing that. Right now, the debt worldwide is $281 trillion. That's how much debt there is. That's a lot of debt. You also, if you look at since 2007, just the growth of our economy has been getting less and less each year. It's been slowly declining because the baby boomer generation, their spending peaked. And now as you, once you hit 45 years old, that's when you start spending less on average each year the rest of your life. You become more thrifty because you're more concerned about having enough money to last out as long as you live. And so that's what happens. While you're younger, you're having children, you're spending on their education, you're spending on cars and vacations and things, you do a lot of spending. But we have been declining in our birth rates now for 30, 40 years. And so some of that is coming back to get us. You also, another interesting thing is this, there are cycles in history. Harry Dent, who's a demographer, I like a lot of his stuff because all he does is study the numbers of demographics to, to project here's what's going to happen because you know when people spend money, what ages, how long they spend, how much they spend. You can kind of predict that from history. And so you look at birth rates, you look at the age of the citizens of any country, and you can tell what's going on. There's a lot of different things that go in cycles, but demographics is the most important one. And I think that's very interesting. Being a Christian and knowing how God intended the family to be so significant as just the bedrock of civilization, demographics is the most important cycle, which is really interesting to me. Let's take Japan for an example. They have not been having children for a long, long time. They've already reached their peak back in the 80s. Their stock market and everything has been declining ever since then, and it will never again come back up. They right now in Japan have over 8 million homes that nobody lives in. That's how their population has been declining. 8 million homes, they said in the next 10 years, it'll go up as high as 15 million. Well, what happens from that is when you have, when your population is declining, then assets don't have much value. Who in the world would buy a home in Japan when there's 8 million empty homes? You can just go take over 
and start paying the property tax on in half. People died and no one was, they didn't have any children, no one to live in them. And so they're sitting there empty. So everyone becomes very poor in that scenario. And Japan, unfortunately, is dying off. The whole country, the people, because they refuse to have children. And so they're going to reap what they have sown. Europe is in big trouble um, because they also, their birth rates have been below replacement, which is 2.1 children per woman to stay stagnant. They've been below that also for almost 50 years now. So they are dying off. And that's why they've chosen to have a lot of immigration, but they've chosen to let people immigrate to all the European countries from the Middle Eastern countries, countries that hate them, hate what they stand for, hate their religion, hate uh, just the way they do things. And so they will end in destruction as well. It's very clear to see. And we already know that's a fact where that will happen with 100% certainty because of demographics. We look at the minority populations there, the Islamic people that hate Judeo-Christian principles, hate Christianity, hate the West, and they're the ones having children. So in just a couple more decades, they will be in the majority and Europe will be gone forever. Australia, this is really interesting. Australia has also not been having children, but they've had immigration from Asian nations. Well, the Asians in general are the most highly educated and highly skilled people groups in the world that there are. And so they, even though they haven't had children like they should have, they've allowed immigration to happen, but they're very selective in making sure it's from Asian countries uh, where the people are productive and they are educated. So they're going to be productive citizens and they've let them come in. So they artificially are looking pretty good economically because their numbers are slightly going up just because of immigration. What's pretty amazing and sad is in America, we're doing the exact opposite now. We're not allowing people that are qualified, that are educated, that are productive to come into our country. Instead, we're opening the gates to those that are in total poverty. They don't have skills. They don't have an education. They, they don't have any way of providing for themselves. So they're guaranteed to be a burden on society. Again, America has stopped having enough children to stay stagnant. And so we're having the immigration open in the, the borders for people to come in. But it's not the type of people that are going to help you be prosperous as a nation. And they don't speak the language, so there's no chance of their success. If you don't know English, you are going to have a hard time making it in our country. So the Democrats allowing there to be open borders and anyone to come in that wants to come in, especially if they're in poverty and from third world countries that do not even speak our language, they have not been educated, they are not a skilled workforce, you're purposely causing collapse, which was, of course, the number two goal of the World Economic Forum and their predictions for 2030. They wanted America to no longer be the world's leading superpower. And so it's very purposeful in what they're doing because it will cause collapse. When your birth rates are dropping, 
and then the people that are coming in aren't capable of providing for themselves, then government is going to have to ex keep expanding and spending more and more and more, and you're guaranteed to have a collapse. But that's their goal. Now, one of the things also interesting is the 250-year cycles of history. This was very interesting to me. Harry Dent was talking about it, and I like when people are optimistic of the future, even when it looks like, I don't think we should be optimistic, but they have a basis for it. They have a reason for it. And here's an interesting fact. 500 years ago was the Protestant Reformation. And what that did is it took down the Catholic Church in that it, at that time it ruled the world. It was in control of the governments. It was control of the people. It was totalitarian and had total control. And that Reformation where the Bible was started to be printed in individual people's languages and then freedom of religion and the biblical principles started to spread throughout the world and changed everything. Then 250 years after that was the founding of America. And what happened there was the monarchs all of a sudden lost their grip on the people because people saw America and the free enterprise system and the way they were doing things where the people were over the government and the people decided who would govern over them. And it started to spread through the world as they saw, yeah, we want to be ruled like that. Well, we're picking who is who is ruling over us. We're not allowing just a family for generations to rule over us or the rich to just rule over us. And so there were major revolutions in that respect and that they just changed dramatically the way things had been done for so long. And then today, he was saying this, and I think it's an interesting perspective to think about. He said, he goes, this revolution now, we're at the 250-year cycle where he goes, I believe this revolution, people are going to demand new monetary systems. People are going to want to be making decisions instead of having elites do it um, because Wall Street has proven, no, they can't be trusted. They will do what's best for themselves, manipulating markets, doing whatever they want just to their advantage while they're hurting the common man. We're tired of their control over this. Um, Washington, D.C., we, we'll pass whatever laws we want. We don't care if you like them or not. People will say enough is enough. And then the Federal Reserve and the central banks of the world that have promised to stabilize things and make there not be depressions, make there not be inflation, has been a total lie. And he thinks people are going to rebel against that. And we're going to get back to local monetary systems, local government, local uh, control of things, because people will realize those elites don't know any more than we do. And they're using their power to control us and destroy us. And we don't want that. And I think... If nothing else, that's a great agenda to be working toward, to be waking people up. And we've already been talking about that over the last few months. We need to build our local communities where there's strong local banks, strong local businesses, strong local economy. And so we can be separated out from all their corruption and their evil, divisive plans of turning us against each other, of of manipulating things so they can get more and more wealth and we become poorer and poorer as a people. And so it's a great goal. 
to be working toward and getting our own currencies, our own way of doing things where they start to lose power and control over us. And so anyway, I was I was really encouraged by that because we can see all these things happening. We can see uh, that the bubble is so far beyond the level it should be to pop, but it hasn't. But it's for obvious reasons. They just keep pumping more wealth in to make it look like everything's okay when all the economic indicators say it's not okay. It's not going to be okay. <laughs> you cannot spend money like a drunken sailor and have everything be okay in the long run. It doesn't work that way because you do reap what you have sown. So that's where some of that stands right now, Joshua. But um, I think the reality is sometime over the next six, 12 months or so, we're going to see the stock market decline in a major way. So that's something to consider. Do your own research, do your own investigation. But if you have money in some of those things, you might want to reconsider what you're doing in preserving your wealth to take advantage of the low prices when that happens. We're going to get into now a couple of other areas, but at the end, we're going to close in talking about what is real wealth? How do you know if you really are wealthy or really are poor? And you'll be surprised how many of the things that really define wealth you probably have. And so even if you were to go to zero and have to start totally from scratch, you're not as bad off as you think you are. But we'll talk more about that in just a second. Something you've mentioned on this program before is that Marxists always think, they always plan five, 10 steps ahead. They're long-term, they game through every scenario. They have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. They've had an economic agenda underway for a very long time. You mentioned the Federal Reserve. We could talk about the World Bank, the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, the Trilateral Commission, all these key players, but they do have an agenda. You talked last week with Patrick Wood about technocracy and building back better. When, when this all crashes, if this economic balloon, when it does burst, they, they have their plan for building back better on the economic side. What does that look like? How do these players want to use this situation to their advantage? Unfortunately, they are so purposeful, they use everything to their advantage, as we've talked about many times. But I think what they, how they would benefit under a crash. I was surprised during Trump's four years that they didn't do what was necessary to cause a, a financial collapse. They could have done that easily. The Federal Reserve raising interest rates will cause a collapse when everyone has gotten dependent on cheap money, like we've already talked about. So, um, but then I thought, no, 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 they want a crash under Biden. And you might say, why? One, they can blame it on COVID and they can blame it on Trump. So they won't look like the bad guys. That's what they know. But so they're the ones that are dictating the solutions to the problem. That's where they always want to be. So they could say, we need a guaranteed basic income now. Remember months ago, I talked about that's one of their top goals because then everyone's tied into the system. Everyone is dependent on them. So they're going to try to use 
this crash to get that, where everyone then is getting a check. But the more they can have us, the individual citizens, having a hard time making it, it gives them so much power over the people. So I think they've been pumping things up so the crash would not come during Trump. It would come during Biden. It's it's something they're going to use. They, again, they love economic crisis. They love any crisis, but they love it because when people are scared of where the food's coming for, from tomorrow, where how they're going to pay the bills, they'll do about anything. If someone says, we have a solution, they'll what is it? And they'll accept it even when it's not a good thing. It's going to hurt them in the long run because most of us, unfortunately, are so short-sighted. We're just looking at today. Well, if that'll help me today, then I'll do it. And uh, so that's how I think they're going to use this in a grand way to really restructure America, to eliminate the middle class and a lot of the even upper class. The, the super rich will be just fine, but they will be able to create enough inflation after the collapse to just make all the money that we have just become almost meaningless in value. So they have total control. Curtis, you mentioned the agenda here in the US and I think people need to understand that this is a global thing. We're dealing with globalists here and this this will be a global problem because the global economy is so interconnected. But what what does the global economic agenda look like? What global solutions do they have waiting in the wings? Well, I think as the IMF has already been talking about, they want to kind of start the social credit score thing like China has on everybody and then go to a digital currency where then it's no longer central banks. It's a world bank that has the ability to forgive loans. That's another thing that we I forgot to mention there is in a collapse. And, and it, it might be the excuse they need to go to a digital currency where they can say to the countries of the world, the businesses of the world, the people of the world. Hey, if you go along with what we say, we will erase all your debt. You will no longer have any debt. And of course, I think they will then take all of the private property in payment for that. But that's another scenario. There's lots of scenarios here, but they want a digital currency. So they're going to use any collapse to try to get that. They want control. Well, they're going to use any collapse to try to get that. And they want people to be subservient to them. Well, if you have a social credit score and they control all money because it's digital and and you're not going along to get along, they, of course, just erase your account. And then you have no ability to provide for yourself. It gives them totalitarian control, but where it looks like they don't have it. And it looks like they can just pick one person at a time or one business at a time and erase them. And no one's going to rise up that much against it because, well, it didn't happen to me. So it'll be all right. They probably did something wrong or something. So it'll give them the control they want. But that's that's ultimately where it's heading, Joshua, where it's, it's they want totalitarian control of the money. Because if you control the money, you control everything, as Rothschild said several hundred years ago. But... That's why we're going to talk about now, what is real wealth? How can you prepare yourself to go to zero 
and still be okay. Where if you're absolute zero, we don't have a penny, and you'd still be okay. What wealth do you need? What types of wealth do you need to be okay in any scenario, any situation, at any time? And Joshua, I think we should talk about that now. Really, what does real wealth look like? What does real poverty look like? Why are those the most important things to understand today? It's amazing how different it is in reality from the way it is described in our country today. The Democratic Party would have you believe, and I think a lot of people would agree with them, poverty is the lack of financial capital, <laughs> cash. And that's, how, that's their only definition of poverty, is, is those that don't have much money. And it's amazing they would define it that way because that's, they're defining wealth in the most um, limited way possible. Of all the things that you have in life, cash, just money, is one of the lower rungs of the scale. There's so many things above that um, that make you truly wealthy. And that's what we're going to talk about. But as I get into them, something to think about is as the Democratic Party through Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society programs structured things so that the black community were incentivized to have lots of children without there being a father in the home, they knew what they were doing. Um, they knew because here, here's a couple key things. If you do not have personal character, which we'll talk more about, and you do not have a strong family, you are going to be in poverty and there's no solution to it. You can give that person a million dollars in cash, they'll be broke six months later because they don't have the character to be able to manage the money. They don't have the family support and structure to, to have known and been taught how things work. And so um, when you don't allow the children to have character and you're not teaching that to them as your primary goal in educating them, and you don't have strong family structures, you're guaranteed to have poverty and there is no solution to the poverty. And that's just something key to know because you have to have a mother and father that are married to each other, raising their biological children to have the gold standard of, of what helps people be successful in life. So that's some of the key things. So number one, which I covered a little bit there, is, is personal character. You are a rich person if you have character. I have an uncle I'm thinking of that several times in his life he's been a multimillionaire and then lost it all. And then he got it all back again and lost it all. And then got it all back again. And it's because he had the character and the discipline to when he lost it all, realize, okay, what was the mistake? I shouldn't have invest, invested in this or that. And he worked right back up and got it all back again. Um, so and he was probably a little too much of a risk taker. That's why he lost it to begin with. But that didn't bother him. Money wasn't the most important thing. He took chances on things. Sometimes he made it. Sometimes he didn't. But he had the character where he knew I'll always be successful again because I'll work as hard as I need to. I'll be industrious as I need to to make it back. Uh, and so it was not a big deal to him when those things happened. Unlike other people, that it might be devastating because he had character. And when you have that, you can rise from the bottom to the top 
very easily over and over again if necessary. Family and culture are also so important. As I already mentioned, family structure, if you have a healthy, strong family, you're going to be so far ahead of others because of your um, security emotionally and your just understanding how the world works by having grown up in a family unit where there's people getting along with each other, working things out, and, uh, and all the things you've been taught by your parents, and you've had an example for you of, oh, this is how to do things. All that is going to be a benefit to you your entire life. And the culture, it's interesting to look at just the poverty in our culture, primarily in America, because we're such a rich country, it's not financial. Um, when you don't recognize beauty, you are a poor person. When you are not shocked or repulsed by evil, you are a bankrupt person. Uh, when you're not embarrassed by the inappropriate, when you're not able to see the order, complexity, and design all around us in the solar system and in the seasons and day and night and things, that is poverty. When you can't see the things right in front of you because you've been brainwashed to believe everything's an accident, there is no order, or, or there is no beauty. That was one of the communist goals, is to destroy people's ability to notice what is beautiful art and what is repulsive art. Well, there was a reason why, because it makes a very, very poor people. And your experience, well, that that's that's amazing. What When you understand things, that's wealth. When you have experience in doing things, you know how to fix things and you have skills, that's wealth. So if you, unlike other people, if you don't have that, if you went down to zero and you don't have any of those things, it's harder to make it. But if you go, hey, I can fix engines or I know how to paint or I know how to do these other things, I can mow lawns, then you have something to start building things back up again. And, and that's why those things are so valuable spiritual capital, um, your relationship with the Lord and understanding he is God. And if you keep his commandments, like King David said, I've never seen the righteous going hungry. He will provide for you. Maybe you're living out and in, in, in not wealthy from American standards, but you will have food to eat and you'll be provided for. Um, and so just the, the, and the peace that that brings you. In the midst of hard times, you know, God is still watching over me. He's with me. Whether you're in prison like a Richard Wormbrandt, being tortured by the communists or not, God's with me and it'll be okay. And it was okay, even in the midst of a traumatic, horrible experience. And then, of course, financial capital, which that's what we've been talking about. If you can preserve the financial capital you have, through these hard times, then it's usually a lot easier to multiply that out. As things go down, you've preserved whatever you do have in that area, and then you can buy things up when they're five cents on the dollar and, and to create more wealth for future generations. But even if you're completely impoverished uh, financially, just with money, but you have a strong character, you have a healthy family and you have a strong walk with the Lord and you have the intellect of, of understanding how things work and maybe experience in many different things that have helped you 
provide for your family in, in the process, you're a very wealthy person. And so you need to know that, that the way the world defines wealth is very shallow, very meaningless, and the real wealth of these things we talked about, um, they can't take those things from you. So you'll always have them, no matter where you are, no matter what position you're having to start from, you'll be okay. I just think of a story I heard of a man that lived in Germany back in the 30s, and he was a successful man, but he realized things were collapsing there. So he moved to Russia, because he could tell Nazism was rising and it didn't look good, so he moved to Russia and thought everything was gonna be okay. He started building his life all back up there, and all of a sudden then he realized, wait, the communists are not good like we've been told. This is going bad. So he moved from there in the 40s. He moved to a little island in the Caribbean, Cuba. And he's there in the 50s. Okay, everything will be okay. He built back up his life, his prosperity, his businesses. And then he could tell in the late 50s, wait a minute, the communists are taking over this. So he fled to America, was able to make it here and had to build things all up again. And he was able to do that in every location because he had real wealth. He had character. He had had a family that had taught him how things work and given him the valuable information uh, from that. He had experience. He was a Christian. And then even though he didn't have the financial capital, he was able to build that back up because he had the other things that are much more a sign of real wealth uh, than it's the way it's defined today in our culture. But anyway, that's, I hope, there's a lot of different things there. I hope it was a blessing to understand that we are gonna be heading into some rough times. All the indicators show that to be the case, so we just need to be prepared. And we need to keep building wealth in all these different areas um, because we're not sure what tomorrow may hold, but we can just trust in knowing we're gonna keep doing things the best way we know how and be wise and have discernment. But thank you again for listening. Please share, like, subscribe at agendaweekly.com. And uh, until next week, God bless you.